Um, I just want to share with you the goodness of God, yeah? Because I, I know Mel mentioned it a little bit last week, but within our own church, we've seen people sacrifice and give, you know, just sacrificially, legitimately sacrificially. But two of the local churches in the area also invested quite heavily uh, into our church, which is outstanding, I just think, you know? Um, because what we're sowing into, um, it's, it's not an issue. What it is, is what we're sowing into is creating a new foundation for our future. You know, we're not talking about a building fund. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about everyday money coming in and out. But one of the churches that gave um, that the very next week, so they gave the next week, churches, you know, we, we count the money that comes in. That's what we do. You have to. You've got bills to pay. There's stuff to do, yeah? Um, so, and you know what your weekly average is. You know, you know what it is. Over the course of that particular month, you know what your weekly average is. That church sowed into our church $1,000. The very next Sunday, they took up their offering and their weekly average was greater than the average by just over $1,000. Some of you might say, oh, what a fluke. Oh, my goodness, what a coincidence. But that is the goodness of God, amen, Yeah. So what I love is the fact that people are rallying together. Our family, our church is united, but more so the churches of Ballarat are united. Oh, you need some help? You know what? We're going to give you some help. You know? One of them actually went as far as to say, because um, I shared it with the ministers, you know, just shared because it's a struggle. You know, as a minister, it's a struggle. And so I shared it with them, and uh, one of them came to see me and said, all right, how much is short? I want to give you all of that. And I don't know who I've shared this with and who I haven't. And I, I didn't give him a figure, you know. I didn't give him a figure. I was too embarrassed to give him a figure. And I said, I didn't share with you so that you could give us money. That's not why I shared with you. And he said, yeah, but James tells me that if I see a brother in need and I just go up to him and pat him on the back and say, be well, go on your way, the love of God's not in me. So he goes, what sort of brother would I be? You know, so I'm loving the unity and strength that God's building amongst the church in our area, amen. I mean, that's really, that's, that's so exciting. So I look forward to the day that another church just finds themselves in a position like this in a season that we can say, hey, you know what? We're going to sow into you in the same way that others have sown into us and we're going to share that blessing. Now, I really do, I know I mention it all the time, I mention it all the time, I mention it all the time. I need you to be vocal today because today I'm going to, I'm going to attempt, I'm going to attempt to teach, not preach, I'm going to attempt to teach on giving, right? Now, it's really hard talking about money. So I've been sweating about this, like, and I've got, I've got so much stuff that I want to impart, and I know we have so little time, but I don't want you to scowl. Please don't, don't scowl. I'd rather you throw money at me, you know? <laughs> um, but don't scowl. But I'm going to do my best in an attempt to teach some timeless principles on giving. Yeah, because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he, does, he doesn't change, yeah? We're in a new dispensation of grace with the Lord. And because of his son, we're now his children if we've accepted him. But God's heart hasn't changed through the ages. God is the same. He was a, he was a giver and a lover then. He's a giver and a lover now, you know? He desired things from us then. He still desires things from us now, Yeah? Just because Jesus came doesn't mean that some things no longer exist. So, hey, bear with me. Let's see how we go, okay? Is that all right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <sighs> Breathe deeply. 
I've got a quote here that I've written, my quote, but it's not even a quote, it's just a point. It's not even a point, it's just a thought. I'll share the thought. I want to challenge us all to be mighty men and women of God that give cheerfully in every area of our lives. Is that all right? That's our challenge, yeah? To be mighty men and women of God that give cheerfully in every area of our lives. Now, so, money. Mm. I think it's safe to say that, if I'm going to generalise, I think it's safe to say that in the world there's a common attitude that comes out of people's hearts, I believe. And that attitude is normally what's in it for me, isn't it? Yeah, what's in it for me? Most of us, maybe some of the youth are too old, but no, 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 there was a, there was a, a remake of the song or whatever you call it. Someone did a cover on it. Do you remember the old hymn? I'm going to call it a hymn. What about me? It isn't fair. And it's a hymn for the community out there. It's a hymn that they sing in their hearts. That is their attitude. What about me? It isn't fair, yeah? But see, as Christians, we can't be ruled by those attitudes. Our attitudes are going to be like God's attitudes, don't they? And so when it comes to God, he encourages us in relation to money and he encourages us in relation to possessions in relation to giving. He encourages us in all of that. So I've got a stack of scripture. We'll go through some of it. I may skip over some of it. Poor Gary's got RSI. I gave him two pages worth of scriptures. I think Laurie walked up, looked at these two pages, because normally I give one, and it's about a th- you know, three quarters full. And Laurie looks at these two pages, and he pats Gary on the back, and he goes, I'm glad it's you today. <laughs> so, Father, be with us today. Speak life, revelation life. Lord, that we may go to that next level of glory, that next level of strength, that we may see the release of all that you want to do here in Mount Clear. Amen. So the first scripture, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Just to give you a picture of some of God's attitudes. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's God's heart. This is his attitude, yeah? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So every day that we grow in a deeper relationship with the Father, as we do that, we get to know the Father more and more and more and more. And as I've mentioned multiple times today already, we become more like Him. So if we become more like Him, and that's His attitude towards giving, then that becomes, we grow into that as one of our attitudes, yeah? Because we're His children. The apple never falls far from the tree. If my son mucks up at home, and he gets a bit riley and offensive, yeah? Mel looks at me and she goes, that's because of you? <laughs> In the same breath, yeah? <laughs> if God's a giver, then those that are around God, the Holy Spirit will be going, as one of us gives, the Holy Spirit will be saying to the Father, that's because of you. Because we're becoming more and more like him, amen? Yeah? <laughs> Hebrews 2.10. I'm going to read the NLT version, but the CEV, the contemporary English version, grabs it perfectly. But it reads, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. See, everything we have, I want to show you that everything that we have is what God has given us. He's chosen to bring us into glory through what he has made, yeah? Because all good things come from the Father, full stop. Yes, you work hard. I know you do. 
And I know that your wife does and your husband does, your children do. And I know that your mum and dads broke their backs and their grandparents before that. I know that. And you have what you have because they worked really hard. That is so true. God gave you the strength to do it. Everything that we have is because he's a good, good father. Everything that we have, yeah? The contemporary English version of that particular verse reads this. Everything belongs to God and all things were created by his power. So everything belongs to God. But that's my car. Everything belongs to God. But that's my car. Everything belongs to God. God has given us the ability to buy things, do things. What we've got to come to an understanding in our hearts as Christians. See, we can't hold on to the things that we own with, gripe, with, with grip like, you know, a vice like grip is the, the term that I'm trying to, to spit out. We've got to learn to, to, to let things go because it belongs to him. And if we truly understand that it belongs to him, yeah, things will come our way because, see, if he owns everything, and we're his children, we've just given responsibility to manage his stuff. Does it make any sense? Scripture says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We're just his you know, sons and daughters, here to manage his things for him. So giving our finance is, a, is worship to God. Who believes that? Like it's worship to God. I mean, God doesn't want us to uncheerfully sing worship. Yeah? <laughs> He doesn't want us to uncheerfully receive communion. He doesn't want me to uncheerfully, if that's even a word, uncheerfully drink coffee. He doesn't want that, yeah? He wants us in everything that we do that brings glory to him to do it cheerfully. So that starts with our singing, you know? Like, I love to sing. I know the people beside me and in front of me don't like it as much as I do. But I still love to sing, yeah? So when we worship God, we sing with all of our hearts because we're cheerful in our offering unto the Lord. So even with our finances, he wants us to be cheerful, good givers. And you know what? If giving little makes you happy, then there's some things that we've got to tweak and work on. Because it's not the amount that you give that's supposed to bring the joy, but the heart behind the giving, Amen. Part of God's nature is that he's generous. He's just super generous. Like, he is generous. Matthew 5.45 says, In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. So he gives good things even to those that don't deserve it. Man, I've got to change my parenting, don't I? <laughs> so you did that, you know what? Well, you're not getting that anymore. In fact, I'm taking off the very thing I've given you. <laughs> but our Father, He sends the sunlight, not just for the sons and daughters of God, but even every unbeliever out there, every unchurched person, every person that's about to spend an eternity without Him still enjoys the same beautiful sunshine. Amen? Yeah? He's a good, good father. He's a brilliant father and he's super generous. Super generous. And I want to suggest that daddy is always working on transforming us from the inside out so that we can be more like him. That would be super generous if I was using the words that I just used 
in the sentence before. If you don't want me to use the word super generous, and he wants to transform us to be generous. But I think God's super generous, and I think if we're going to become more like him, we are super generous people, yeah? Because I want to push the envelope a little bit. And one of the... and not one of the areas. God wants us to learn how to give. And the Bible is, is, is just, it's rife with three particular ways that he wants us to give. He wants us to give a tithe. He wants us to give an offering. And he wants us to help the poor, the needy. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to give 10%, a tenth of what you earn. Yeah? Very clear. Now, some people are going to, you know, they, they're going to argue, well, is it 10%? of my gross wage or is it 10% of my net wage? Well, I'm going to let you work that one out. For me, I sit on this side. I give to God first. So for me, it's, that's what we do. We give off our gross. For those that I'm offending, please, I'm not trying to offend you. You've got to hear my heart. I want to teach you some timeless principles, yeah? Because giving a tithe, it's a spiritual discipline. It's just like praying. It's just like worshipping. It is not a lesser, yeah, of all the different worship, you know, things that, we, that, that make up worship. It's not a, a lesser activity. It's, it carries the same value, yeah? Then he wants us to give offerings. This is where we give back to God just out of thankfulness. Hey, God, I've given you a tenth because that's what you ask of me, but you are so good to me, I want to give you more. I am so thankful. Now, that's a harder place to live. It really is. Like it's just a harder place to live. Because it's hard enough giving a tithe of what you earn, yeah? But when you're giving an offering as well, now we're starting to stretch a bit, yeah? And then he talks to us over and over and over about being generous over and over and over by giving to the poor because he wants us to help others with what we've got. Because as far as he's concerned, he owns it. He's given you the ability to get it. So he's given it to you and now he wants you to give it to others. Because we are his hands and his feet extended, yeah? So every Sunday, in most churches around the world, we take up an offering. We took up an offering today, yeah? And I guess we ask, you know, every church asks that if you're part of the family, and in this case our family, then we ask that you would sow and invest your finances into your church, our church, yeah? Now, some people do that electronically. They do it online, they just set it up, and it's gone. Some do it with a push pay app. Some put it into the bag every week. And needless to say, some won't give it all. I know it's no one in this church though, you know. But I want to add this. Who's ever determined to do something in their life and they've failed? Who's determined to get up to pray and you didn't get up to pray? Who's determined to exercise and you just didn't do it? Who's determined not to have ice cream every night of the week, but at the end of the week you find that the box is empty? <laughs> yeah, my hand just stays up. It just stays up. Like, who, who tells his wife? Oh, no, that's a different story. <laughs> so we determine to do things, but we often fail. And you know what? When it comes to giving, we often determine to give God our first fruits, our tenth. We want to tithe. And we determine to do that. But sometimes life gets so busy that we just miss the opportunity to run to the ATM to get to the bank to take that money out to, to put it in the bag. So I, I want to leave you a quote that I got from one of the churches in Ballarat, BCF, I think, uh, and that's automation trumps determination.
Automation trumps determination. If you want to make sure that you're giving God your first, your best, all the time, then set it up electronically. Just do it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry if you've got enough money because I'm going to talk about that later anyway. It's just done. Automation always trumps determination because I guarantee you that one day you'll go on holidays and you won't even think about it. And let's talk to another church congregation, not ours. You'll go on holidays and you won't even think about it, but your church back home, they're not getting the tithe because you thought that you would do it when you got back, but then you spend it when you're on holidays. But if you'd set it up electronically, then it just would have been done and dusted. Hear my heart. Please hear my heart. I'm trying to make it as jovial as possible. But these are God, God's timeless principles, yeah? So some of you may ask, well, what happens to the money that we give to church? Well, great question. We pay everyday expenses. We pay water. We pay gas. We pay electricity. Yes, you do. You pay my wage and other wages. We, we pay for things. We pay for chemicals. We pay for, for paint. We pay for anything that we pay for paper and printers. We pay for stuff. We just do toilet paper. We pay for curriculum, for the different ministries and fruit and all that sort of jazz. We pay for those things and we try to bless people in different areas. We, that's where your money goes and invests into the house. Amen. And I, I know we often talk about money or we have an offering message every week, but we can't be embarrassed about that. The Bible has over 2,000 verses on about giving, about money and possessions. Over 2,000 verses. So we can't be embarrassed about it. If God's not embarrassed about it, we can't be embarrassed about it. Amen? So money's an important topic. you know. And at the end of the day, money can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And when you think about it, most of the evil that happens, most crimes that happen, it's all about money. Isn't it? Really? It's not about someone breaking into my home because they saw me walking with a really nice shirt down the street and they just needed to get it. It's generally not what happens, yeah? It's about money. So for, for those of us who are Christians, we need to know that God is the source. God is the source, yeah? Psalm 50 verse 12 says, If I was hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. The world and all that's in it, yeah? You know that little thing that you've got at home in your drawer that your partner doesn't know? He knows. <laughs> All that's in it. Everything. Absolutely everything. Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Everything is his. God is the source. And so you know what I love? See, if all the resource we have has been given to us by God. Now watch this. God is the source. He gives us resource for us to use. Yeah? He's the source. He gives us resource for us to use. I mean, that's just brilliant in itself. Our role is to be good stewards with the resources we've been given by the source. Amen? So the Bible actually tells us that every good thing comes from him. James 1.17, every good and perfect thing is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Now, God's a generous giver. He gave us his son freely. We, we, we're okay with that, Yeah? You, you can read a, a multiple scriptures. You can, go, you can go to John, you can go to Romans. You know, he didn't spare his son, he gave us his only son. We can read it over and over and over again. There are multiple scriptures. God is generous. When you think about, he gave us his son. Yeah? 
And then on top of giving us His Son, because we accept Jesus, He then gives us a kingdom in heaven, makes us citizens of heaven, and says, you guys are just sojourners. You're aliens of this world. This is not where you belong. You belong here, seated in heavenly places. In fact, you're my ambassadors. So our inheritance is heaven, wherever it might be. Yeah? He gives it to us freely. He doesn't have to. He just chooses to because he's a good God. And we get everything as a gift. We don't earn it. We haven't deserved it. He's just so good that he gives. Full stop. And we become more and more like him all the time. You know, we can claim things from God or try to. We can demand things. But it's not going to get us a brass razoo. He solely gives because he's full of grace. Yeah? That offensive grace. Yeah? That's how good he is. You know, and I guess man has grown up, particularly in our first world nations. It's, it, 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 it's rife right, right through the entire, con, you know, just right, right through the planet. But depending on situations, you can, either be, you can either lean to becoming more selfish or more generous. So people that are really under the pump that have nothing learn to be generous. But there are some that learn to hoard and look after themselves because they're in such a bad spot. And then you've got this other place over here that we get so much that we don't want to give it because we've just set ourselves up. And we've set ourselves up so, so well we don't want to give that away. Generally speaking, man is selfish. But God's always working to make us more like him. You know, And as Christians, when it comes to money and our possessions, our attitude should be like Hebrews 13.5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He wants us to be free of the love of money. I mean, that's a really strong word. He wants us to be completely reliant on him. Yeah? And, and, and we, should, we should only look to him and we should only get from him the things that satisfy us. Yeah? Like Mel knows when, when, when I go through struggles, I, I like to buy things, little electronic things, you know? you know, be it a tablet or a phone or something like that, and they satisfy me. And then two hours later, you know, like, things in this world will only satisfy you from a time. We've got to learn as Christians to get our full satisfaction from him, to be utterly and completely reliant on him. You know, why does he want us to be free from the love of money? I'm glad you asked. First Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Get, watch the message version of that same verse. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. The only time I ever heard ever after was in a Disney fairy tale. But now God's given us an ever after. You, you have the love of money, it's going really, it's, it's to fail badly for you ever after. Yeah? Like it's, a, it's, a, it's a very clear warning. So it's clear to me that how we handle money reveals a lot about our priorities. You know, it does. It, it, it so speaks into that. It, it talks about and shows us and reveals our loyalties and our passions. And in fact, how we handle our money reveals a lot about our faith in God. It shows us where our faith really is. You know, that's why we, we can read in Ecclesiastes in chapter 5, verse 10 says, whoever loves money never has money enough. 
Yeah? You know people like that? Most of us, I think, know people like that. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. There is some wisdom there on the paper. See, money itself, it's not evil. It's not evil. We can do great things with money. Like we live a healthy life with our family. We can support people and love people and restore people. We see hospitals built and wells dug. We can do great things with money. Is not evil. And that's why it's just the love of money. That's why, that's why the writer uses the word love because when you think about love, we know that God is love. When we think about the new commandment, Jesus says to us now, love one another as I have loved you. And so God now says, don't love money in that way. Don't do it. Your love has to be only for, kept for me. It's for me. I've given it to you. I've loved you that like that. Now you love me. Don't love money like that. Daddy wants us to be content with what we have. And our Christian life needs to be a life that's dependent on God. You know, we should desire to want to be like our Heavenly Father. Amen. We really should. He freely gives, so we aim to follow suit and give freely. Yeah, because we've received it all freely. You know, the unchurched, unsaved person, if I'm speaking to my family, my brother and sister-in-law, my mum, they do not understand what I give to the church. They don't get it. They think we're mad. They think that all of my financial issues would be solved if, if I just kept that portion of money. But I guarantee you that with my God, I can do more with 90% than I can do without my God with 100%. Yeah? So they don't understand. So they're going to hold on to everything that they have. And that's what they're going to try to teach those around them. But we, we're, we're, we're not unchurched, unsaved. We're saved. We're children of the Father. We know that he's a good, good God. We know, we just read that he owns everything, yeah? So our attitude's different because, because he's so, so good and because he's given to us, we know that it's okay to give. We know it's okay to tithe. We know it's okay to give offering. We know it's okay to help the poor because we know him, yeah? I'm telling you that our giving shows us our level of faith. It really does. You know, and God encourages us to give. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, we don't give so that we can get back. That's not why we give. But it's a promise of God that when you give, God gives back. He may give back to you financially when you sow your dollars. But he may give back to you differently. You know, Mel and I, I've shared this before, we were at a, a conference, it was a youth conference many, many years ago in Bendigo, History Makers, an apostolic conference, and we uh, heard a great, great message by Jürgen Matesi, who now pastors a C3 church uh, in, in the US. And Jürgen, um, does, he, he does these phenomenal movie impersonations, like he's so good listening to his message, you just entertain and then he slaps you around a little bit, you know. He's, Anyway, he shared this, this offering message and we were compelled to give. Now, we didn't have a lot of money. We just didn't have a lot of money. And so we talked about it and we gave three figures. That's it. Not four. wasn't in the thousands. We gave three. 
We gave to the best of our ability and we stat- it was a stretch. Yeah? We just felt compelled in our hearts. Now, after the conference, we're driving home. Mel's asleep in the car and as we're just driving, and as I'm just driving and worshipping with one eye open and one eye closed, as I often do, yeah, God starts pouring, and I'm talking pouring, just revelation after revelation. It was like his love was manifest in the car. Mel wakes up and well, Mel wakes up and she goes, what's wrong? And I'm crying. I go, it won't stop. It won't stop. It was like I broke a tap at home and the water just kept coming. And it was like it was too much. Back it off, God. Like you, you, That's it. That's enough. Because God's principles are his principles. And when you sow and when you give and when you live by faith, God will give back to you. Don't look for a dollar because you give a dollar, but just wait because God will give back to you because you gave that dollar. And if he gives back to you in a dollar, amen. But it'll be two. Yeah? And on that day, God poured so much that I've preached messages just from that 15, 10, 15 minutes, you know? He's so faithful. He's so good. Tithing is God's plan. It is his plan for us as givers. And, and I want to try to teach you really quickly. It's 11.25. We, we see it established. We see it, we see it with Moses. We've got to look at the Old Testament and I'll, I'll try to play this out for you, but the pattern that we see is it's either sacrificed or it's redeemed. Sacrificed or redeemed. Remember those two words. Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. This first offspring of every womb among the Israelite belongs to me, whether human or animal. Oh, my goodness. Here God says that the firstborn is mine. It belongs to me, yeah? God calls us to dedicate it to him. So throughout the Bible, there's a pattern that the firstborn belongs to God. Yeah. Now we read in Exodus, further along, verse 11, 11 and 13. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. <laughs> redeem every firstborn among your sons. It's really important to understand this, this, this principle of the firstborn, so I'm going to try my best to teach it. If you want to get in depth or more study on it, um, Robert Morris has got some great teaching called The Blessed Life. Yeah, Sensational stuff, probably the best stuff that I've seen when it comes to giving. We've actually got um, his teaching stuff here at church. If you want to run it in your friendship group, grab it. It's brilliant. It'll cha- it legitimately will change your life. So according to Old Testament law, the firstborn was to either be sanctified, or sacrificed, sorry, or redeemed. Yeah, the firstborn, sacrificed or redeemed. There was no third option, all right? Sacrificed or redeemed. So every time one of the livestock animals delivered its firstborn, we were to sacrifice it. That's what was needed to be done. Or if it was designated unclean, if it had a spot or a blemish, then it had to be redeemed with a clean, spotless lamb. But there was still something that was needed for it. You understand? Now, so, so from there, the clean firstborn had to be sacrificed and the unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. I don't know if you're getting it yet, but this is a picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Yeah? So the principle throughout the whole Bible 
is right throughout the whole Bible, and it's the same principle that God used to save us from an eternity without him. See, John 1.29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, we were unclean. So we couldn't be sacrificed. We had to be, had to be, had to be. God's plan from the very beginning, Old Testament, God's plan was to redeem us, yeah? So we knew and we know from reading the Bible that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's God's firstborn. Jesus was clean, perfect and unblemished in every way. On the other hand, Every one of us was born unclean. Every one of us was born, you know, with a fully active sin nature. That's why it's amazing what God does when we say yes, when we ask him into our lives. Because we go from one side of the cross to the next, you know. It's phenomenal. Jesus was sacrificed to redeem us. When he redeemed us by his sacrifice, he bought us and he brought us back to Papa God. That's what he did, okay? So that's okay. So go with me here. It was like Jesus was God's tithe to us and for us because he was God's firstborn and he was clean. Adam, yeah, the first Adam, the first human, was, unfortunately, was unclean. God gave his firstborn, his son, for us, to redeem us, yeah, that's why Colossians reads, and I won't read it all, I'll read verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He always was. He is the firstborn. Then verse 18 says, And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. It's the firstborn principle that we, we see. So Father God gave him to us before we even believed. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, he sent his son. Yeah, we were unclean. So he had, to, he had to redeem us with a clean sacrifice. All right, Old Testament principle had to be done. So the first portion, the first belongs to God. The first portion is to be given to God. It's a principle we find right through the word. What we also find is what they call the first, the first of the firsts. Now I'm going to confuse people. It confuses me. First of the firsts. Not only did the firstborn belong to God, but the first fruits belong to him as well. So Exodus 23, 19, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord. Now, in the Revised Standard Version or the King James Version or the New King James, I'm not sure what we're going to have up on the screen, but it says, it reads this way, the first of the first fruits of your ground shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So what it's saying is the very first of them, the very first of your fruits, the very first of what comes out of the ground. It's the first of the first, yeah? So this means that it's not the last portion that you give him from, you know, when you go out to your garden and you've got your tomatoes, you know, it's not often that only one tomato ripens. It's normally you see, pop, 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 pop. You know, if I'm thinking about dad's garden, there's always three or four. It's not the last portion that you give. It's the very first portion that you give. Your tithe, it's your first fruits. So, okay, there's five there. All right, well, let's eat. Let's be merry. Let's give some to the neighbours. Oh, we should give a little bit to God. No, that's not how it works. It's, okay... I'm going to grab that first tomato. That's what I'm going to give to God. Think of it as a pie. It's the first slice you take out, you give to him. Yeah? And then you trust him with the rest of the 90%. Craig Groeschel has a beautiful video 
on giving on YouTube that you can have a watch and look. And he's got a pie example. It's really good. It's a brilliant example. But anyway, Proverbs 3.9 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I love the book of Proverbs because it's full of God's wisdom. And here, it's tithing to the Lord's house, tithing to the church involves honouring the Lord with our possessions and with our first fruits. There hasn't been many amens. I expected by this stage you'd be holding up checkbooks going, oh, amen, come on, smile, it's not that bad, yeah? This will release stuff in your life. I've learned that the eternal principles throughout the Bible, there are eternal principles throughout the Bible. I've written here on my Bible, timeless principles, um, and tithing is one of those. It's a timeless principle. The tithe belongs to God. The firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to God. You know, who knows the story of Cain and Abel? Yeah? Abel was seen as good. Cain was seen as bad. It says in Genesis chapter 4, um, Adam made love to his wife Eve. Go, Adam. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. Okay? Now, verse 3 reads this. You've got to understand this. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn, some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he didn't look with favour. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. Why? Why, 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 why didn't God accept um, you know, that, that offering? Why didn't he accept? Why didn't he accept Cain's offering? Wasn't the first. See, the word makes a point to tell us very clearly that the offering Abel made was, brought, was the firstborn of his flock, but it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crop. Yeah? Notice what the passage says. It says, in the course of time. In the course of time. In other words, Cain grew his crops. He grew them all. And then, in the course of time, got around to bringing an offering to the Lord. That would mean that he didn't bring his first fruits to the Lord. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, could that be why God did not respect Cain's offering? I just wonder. You know? Possibly. Abel, on the other hand, brought the firstborn of his flock to the Lord and God accepted his offering. And I think that's a lesson for us. You know, God's looking for our hearts when we give. And when we give of our, of the first, of our first fruits of our tithe, God receives and respects that, that offering. He does. You know, the tithe is your first fruit. The tithe has to be first. Um, if I had $100, if I had 10, I got $100 and I had 10, $10 notes. Which is the tithe? It's the first one. It's the first one. It's not about being legalistic. Tithing is not about being legalistic. Tithing is not about, oh, I've got to do my shopping. I better take out my tithe first. It's, it's not about that. It's, it's a heart condition. What the Bible is saying is put God first with all that you have. So no. So you've got $100, you've got $10 notes. I know that first one is God's. I'm not going to touch that. And I'm going to go do my shopping and bless my wife and buy some flowers. 
and, and bless my kids and buy a coffee. But I, I haven't given God his tithe yet, but I've given God his tithe already. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah? It's the first one given. So we know that God loves a cheerful giver. In that passage, though, you've got to unpack it a little bit because it says in 2 Corinthians 9, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this is, we always say, God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. But we've got to take that whole, that whole verse, yeah? He loves the person who gives what he's already decided to give in his heart. Yeah? He loves the person who gives not reluctantly or under compulsion. And then finally, he loves a cheerful giver. Because the cheerful giver has already decided in his heart what he's going to give. And he's not doing it because he has to do it. He's doing it because he wants to do it. Because it's an act of worship. Yeah? He teaches us over and over to live, breathe, think and act generously. Especially in our giving. Still in 2 Corinthians, um, but in verse 6 of chapter 9, it says, Remember this, whoever spares, sows sorry, sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He challenges us. He, he challenges us, he encourages us, and then he tests us. What's the famous scripture used for all giving in just about every church around the world? Malachi 3.10, yeah? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Ten is the number of testing. Yeah? Ten is the number of testing. Just like seven is God's number, the number of perfection. Six is Satan's number, one less than perfection. That's why you get six, six, six. Ten is the number of testing. So... When God tested for obedience, what did he do? He sent ten commandments. Yeah. When God wanted to test Pharaoh's heart, what did he do? He sent ten plagues. Yeah. When God wanted to test and see if the virgins were ready for the bridegroom, ten virgins. Yeah. Ten is the number of testing. When he wanted to test our hearts for thankfulness, Ten lepers. Ten is the number of testing. And so when he says to us, give a tithe, it's a test to us. But then he's so good. He goes, now you test me. See, if you do that, see if I won't do this. Yeah? Come on, he's such a good God. And tithing is the only place in the Bible where he says, test me. Every other place says, don't, don't you test God. Don't you dare. Oh, my goodness, don't test. And then he comes in and says, here's your test. Test me in this. Only when it comes to our giving. Only when it comes to our giving. You know, I, I want to finish with a couple of things because of the time. So let's stand and I'll finish as we're standing. Jesus endorsed a tithe. Jesus endorsed tithing. Matthew 23, 23 reads, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without rejecting the former. 
So Jesus was saying that we should give justice and we should give mercy and we should give faithfulness. But don't forget to tithe. Don't forget the latter. Practice the latter without neglecting the former. Do it all. And I know, I know, I know, I know, because there's always people that say, oh, tithing is so Old Testament. You know, it's, it's such a law. You can't live by law. You know what? We don't live by law. We live by heart. Tithing is something that God asks of us. Yeah? And I love the fact that 700 years before Moses proclaimed the law, 700 years before that, we see Abraham giving to God as he gives 10% to Melchizedek. Genesis 14.20, And be blessed by God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Where did he learn the timeless principle of tithing? Where did he learn that? From the Father. Should we give a tithe only when we've done our calculations and feel we have enough money left over for our needs? No. See, we've missed the point of tithing and we've missed the point that it's a spiritual exercise and discipline that, that actually helps us to grow our faith and trust in God when we tithe correctly. Um, I was sharing some stuff about giving recently with someone and they shared what their mentor shared with them years ago. He's a pastor and his mentor said to him years ago, tithe to the level that you want to earn. Tithe to the level that you want to earn. So most of us get $100 and we give $100. His mentor said, you want to earn $120, then you give $12. You know? In this case, this young man at the time was giving $120 a week. He wasn't earning $1,200. If you speak to him at, within four to six weeks, his work, stuff just changed. He always had enough. Always. Tithe to the level that you want to earn because tithing is worship and tithing actually activates our faith. Yeah? It actually creates and opens the ability for us to earn because that's what it's saying in Malachi. You do this and see if I won't open up the heavens. Mel and I gave an offering and in that car, God legitimately, spiritually opened up the heavens in that car. I'm quite happy if it means that every once in a while when I'm giving an offering, God opens up like that so my heart and mind are blown, then I'm going to go with that because that was phenomenal. And then you hear stories. yeah. And I know the US is the US, but you hear stories of people's phenomenal, super generous giving. But then you hear about the super generous provision of the Lord because they live in a level of faith. As Ruthie said a couple of weeks ago, they bring themselves to that edge, that corner, and they live on the precipice where they, they're saying, God, you know what? If I'm going to do this, you better catch me. Yeah. yeah? And he's always there. It's true that he comes through at the 11th hour. Don't expect it straight away. But God will bless you. Yeah. Some of you financially. Some of you will pour out all sorts of manner of blessings upon you. Yeah. But be ready for it. And I want to finish with this. 2 Corinthians 9.10 Now he who supplies seed to the sower... He who supplies seed to the sower. I don't even have to read the rest of it. He who supplies seed to the sower. He doesn't supply seed to the hoarder. He doesn't supply seed to the hoarder. Our God supplies seed to the sower. You want more seed, then you sow more. Yeah? You can take your seed 
and you can, you can scrunch it all up and you can do whatever that mortar, mortar stuff and get it all nice. You can make some bread. But I'm telling you, if you sow it in the ground, you're actually going to receive a whole nother harvest that you'll not only bless yourself, but those around you. He gives seed, he supplies seed to the sower. Man, if you take anything away, take that. Seed to the sower, yeah, and automation trumps determination all the time. I had a whole bunch of stuff that I have skipped over and left out. God, it's a timeless principle of giving. Jump into Robert Morris. Have a look at Craig Groeschel. Ask me some questions. But we as a church, this morning, the picture that I had during worship, that it was like we were ready to run. There's a, there's, there is a release coming. There's a release coming in the church. I, and I just was overwhelmed by his presence. I don't know how. I don't know what. I don't know if it's financial. I believe it's God's going to move supernaturally. He does already, but there's something greater that's about to occur because it was just so clear in moments during our worship. So I challenge you, tithing is a spiritual discipline that should, not, that should stand strong regardless of the state of our emotions. And I'll finish with this. John Wesley has a saying, get all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Amen. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Father, I pray that every heart and every individual will receive all of that mishmash of, of, of teaching and scripture and talk, Father, that, Lord, we would receive it so that it would increase, Lord, the faith within us, that it would bring us to another level, God, of understanding you. Father, we thank you that you are always a good giver. We thank you that, Father, you are the source of all our resource. We thank you, Lord God, that you teach us and ask us to give to you, Father, through our tithes, Father, and, and through our offerings. And you ask us to look after the poor and the needy that are around us. I thank you, Lord God, that you want us to be generous like you. So, Father, take this message today. Do something so wonderful and exciting and supernatural in all of our hearts. We give you all the glory because you are a glorious God. And all of Mount Clear said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful, awesome. <laughs> Enjoy your day. <laughs> I got through.